The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's the week of my birthday! Yay! Yay. Uh, So, as is now tradition, every time we get close to October the 27th, we watch a film and review it on here just because I really want to watch the film. Uh, The last couple of years, we've gone for comedies from the 1980s, uh, specifically uh, Airplane and History of the World Part 1. We're going to move away from that uh, for this year, though. Uh, I've decided I'd really like to go back and revisit a film from the late 2000s, The Coen Brothers' Burn After Reading. So joining me, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Simon Haynes, everybody! Happy birthday, Stephen, for whenever this gets released. Oh, thank you. I will uh, I will take the compliment then, uh, but thank you very much. Uh, you've never seen Burn After Reading? I have not seen, I will say like 99.9% of Burn After Reading. Uh, my memory of this movie is, this is one of those things where I studied movies at Murdoch, and this is one of those things where you always end up... Someone always like, oh, you got to study this film. Mm. And I never did. I think they screened like one bit of the movie. Uh, I think it was just to point out how Clooney reacts to other people. Mm. But I do not know much beyond that. I know that it's got Malkovich. I know it's about... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's about a CIA guy who... I'm not sure if he's retiring, but he's wrote a book about his memoirs. The CIA are involved. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll that's give you that vaguely much. what I recall mm. about from like the the bits of knowledge that have like floated through the pop culture flotsam and jetsam. Mm. Um, with it being a Cohen Brothers film, um, are you are you a mad Cohen head? Uh, I'm not a you... mad Cohen head, but I am a Lebowski fan. Right. Okay. So, I sh- I, knowing it's Cohen Brothers, I'm probably gonna enjoy it. Okay, well, joining us as a guest who has seen the film, it's Patrick Downs, hey, everybody. Man. Hey. I will not be wishing you a happy birthday because today is not your birthday. Thanks, Patrick. Simon, sorry. you can learn a lot from him. Uh, I'm no. sorry. <laughs> uh, Patrick, um, you have seen Burn After Reading. Yep. Uh, when when did you last see this film? I So, uh, when did it come out? 2008. Now, yeah. I, I had a memory. I saw it then. Okay, I had a so. memory of it being a year later. I, for some reason, I thought it was turning 10 this year, but it was 2008. Yep. So, I actually saw this uh, on my... 19th birthday um when when this film came out um which spoilers means i'm turning the big 3-0 uh but the um yeah we, i went and watched this with a bunch of film studies students it does seem to it's the coen brothers it's going to attract yeah, film studies yeah. people so yeah the the heady days of october 2008 yes so yeah that's when i last saw it as well mm. uh at the cinemas i remember it reasonably well mm. i think in terms of the basic plots yeah or the various plots Mm. So, do you yeah. remember enjoying it yeah i did cool. i did i liked it quite a lot and i've since 
heard a lot of filmy people say it's one of the lesser Coens. Mm. So maybe I was wrong. Well, maybe uh, my opinion was wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, how many of the other Coens have you seen? Are you, are Look, you... not again, not many. I'm, I'm, I'm not a massive Coen brothers. I mean, I, li- I like the movies mm. a lot, but I'm not like, I'm not like a completionist, you know? Yeah. I've seen all the big ones. Yeah, I'm just um, having a think. I've definitely seen I've seen Big Lebowski because yeah. we've done it on this program. Uh, Fargo, uh, Hail Caesar, um, and that might be it. Like, I've seen those, and I've seen. I think I saw what's the one? Is it Intolerable Cruelty? That's one, isn't it? I have no idea. I think that's one. And it's it's, that's about. not that good. I think. Okay. Well, I've I, seen I, I've seen I've seen a couple of others, but yeah, I'm not like a massive Coen Brothers. Like I said, completionist. Mm. Um, but I do like them. They're very, they're obviously, obviously very good filmmakers. Mm. They they point a camera and they tell a good story. Yep. Um, I I remember enjoying Burner Burner for reading quite a lot. Mm. Um, I also remember being the only person of the seven or eight people that went to watch it that day who enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard it is a bit of a divisive film. Yeah. So I'm 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 mostly just curious. I think the reason I really wanted to look at this is to see how it stacks up over 10 years on yep. i guess um and particularly having uh, myself now seen more of the coen brothers work since then seeing where it stacks up uh compared to uh the rest of their their oeuvre i guess uh so with that being said shall we watch burn after reading let's do it yep okay for those of you listening at home pop in your dvds and redacted 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 as we prepare to watch burn after reading <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Burn After Reading. And by we, I, of course, mean Patrick Downs. Hey. And Simon Haynes. Evening. Simon, that was your first time watching Burn After Reading. It was indeed. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good fun film. Uh, it's definitely a Coen Brothers film. Mm-hmm. And that um, I can see why people really love this. And I can see why people really don't like this. Mm. I really enjoyed it. So, okay. Um, that's a bonus. That is a bonus. I, you know, I've seen Cones Bro stuff before. I wasn't expe- I, I wasn't expecting to be laughing as much as I did. Mm. <laughs> it's one of those things you go, it is a slow burn. Mm. But once you kind of realize it's okay to laugh, mm. and those just bangers are oh, so good. Mm. It, 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 it is a... I mean, it's funny. That's, that's kind of it the main... It is really funny. That is kind of yeah. the main thing that yeah. you get from this film, is that this is a... This is a really funny film um and it i think that's one of the things that's quite surprising about it particularly coming from the coen brothers who have done films that are very funny or have moments of humor in them Mm. but this feels more like a farcical comedy than Mm. it does well yeah i mean it really is a straight-up comedy isn't Mm. it in in so many ways a good black comedy but Mm. and also think when you consider that the film before this was no country for old men which is uh very unfunny movie. Yes. Uh, very, very much a... Um, Serious drama. Yeah. Pessimistic, existentialist drama. The, yeah. Um, the thing that was running through my mind is that this feels like a like a political intrigue movie for people who don't really know that much about political intrigue movies. Mm. Like, it's got all those great hallmarks, like the cinematography, the spy, like in the, the Bush's cinematography to all this. And it's in lieu of just this one ridiculous joke. Mm, and it's yeah. like, oh my God. It's really taking the piss out of those kind of movies as well. Yeah. Because all the people involved are 
like analysts yeah. and things like that. They're, they're not field agents. They're, they're not the ones that do all the action. They're very <laughs> smart know? people acting stupid. Yeah, and I yeah. love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the story, I mean, the plot is incredibly complicated um, <laughs> yeah, because it is, because yeah. it's all about misdirections confusions and double takes in, in a lot of ways it actually reminds me a lot of um of, of some of shakespeare's comedies um and that's just mm. kind of on the mind because here in birth at the moment the pop-up club's in town yeah and i've been going along and watching the productions which are excellent but one of the great things about the i suppose those sorts of comedies whether it's shakespeare or whether it's something like this is that there's so much that's happening that part of the joy is trying to keep up. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you have, I mean, you have the characters, uh, we're introduced to Osborne Cox first, the day that he quits his job, uh, with um, John Malkovich dropping F-bombs left, yeah. right and centre. Um, maybe best just to start on him and kind of just figure out where we branch out from there. Uh, John Malkovich is pretty obviously frequently in um, Coen Brothers yeah. uh, films and things like that, but he is in fine form in this film he's he's doing his malkovich thing mm. to the utmost in this movie mm. and i guess osborne cox is kind of the closest thing to a central character in the sense that mm. all the stories link back to him yeah the plot revolves around him yeah, yeah even though he might not be in it quite as much as like francis mcdormand's character or george clooney's character yeah well, that's the thing i was going to point out what's really interesting is you get introduced to this like like this sphere of influence you've got cox you've got um Clooney was it Harry Clooney Harry was yeah. Clooney's character I can't remember if that was his name or if that was just an alias or whatever but um mm -hmm. yeah and then you got the wives and you introduce the circle and then hard cut to Francis McDormand's character and it's just so left field which is fitting for Cohen mm. and you're going where is this leading yeah and then when they start to mash together and they just constantly mash it's yeah. so good mm. and I think that may be part of the reason why um people don't like this film is because mm. um it, it it doesn't necessarily follow typical film language or formats. No. no. Uh, yeah, and as, as I was saying previously, when I first saw this film uh, in 2008 with a bunch of film friends, it was a group of about six or seven of us, and I was the only one who came out of it going, I really like that film, that was amazing. The rest of them were like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I think partly it may have been that they were expecting... Um, the no previous years, yeah, they were yeah. more serious. Yeah, and I think yeah. to be honest, the film is kind of built that way. You know, it's called Burn After Reading, and you know, it's it, the the blurb does say it's about CIA operatives, and you've got you know Tilda Swinton and George Clooney and Brad Pitt, yeah. and like these are you know these are actors who have been in comedies, but they're not comedy actors. Mm. Like if this film was you know Will Ferrell and Tina Fey, then you would expect oh, it would be a completely different feeling. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I actually it, don't think it'd be as good. No, if it had those broad comedic actors in. No, it. The, the the great thing about this is that everyone plays it dead straight. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, the and the comedy except Brad Pitt. Oh, he's <laughs> so good. But in his own way, well, I guess in his own way, yeah, yeah, he is yeah. playing it straight. But Chad is he's still is mugging great. quite a bit. For the, he is yeah. absolutely just running on the treadmill, doing like fist that, bumps and finger that, guns. He's facial acting in the car scene the whole i'm gonna i'm trying to look serious yeah he is very good i'm um, so just good. To, yeah but just to quickly rewind back yeah, to yeah. um to, to john malkovich yeah, yeah. He, he, he is very good he's just on the edge yeah this whole time like i say he's doing his john malkovich thing he's he's doing a very good job of playing a man who is just holding it together yeah he's about to explode he, in everything ultimately and, <laughs> well, ultimately, he does, but um, on, on poor Ted, it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny how 
little he appears in like this a huge chunk of this film but yeah I, considering how important he is to but, the story yeah yeah he is the background of everything mm. which yeah. is, and, and so he has that presence kind of looming over it and mm. it's really good he's also where the film begins and ends mm. um yeah. because it's his firing is where it begins and his we have to talk about that ending when we get to it when yeah we yeah. To it, yeah well yeah when he's obviously ending. you know we, the, the last of the regular characters we see outside of the cia mm. is is him uh murdering ted in the street and then <laughs> really brutally yeah um <laughs> and, but again that that feels like appropriate for the coen brothers you know yeah. oh yeah, yes. yeah yeah that's the thing they don't shy there are there isn't a lot of violence really at all but there's really only two major moments of violence mm. and they're both they're very quick but very graphic exactly yeah <laughs> it's and again that's that's a feature of what the coen brothers yeah, do yeah. and it, it suits this film really well um and both times it it, it's like a well one time it's a raises the stakes with um harry murdering chad and the the other one is um the climax i guess yeah. but it, it it's an interesting film in that it it climaxes with a feel with a report of what happened and i really loved that the first time i watched if it if that like, had been any other film yeah it would have felt like a cop out yeah. like yeah. i'm going to give a really good example um Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is because of the amount of discontinuity that happens in that in Discovery. It's set as a prequel towards the original series and just things are just completely wrong. Mm -hmm. As a Trek, it's like, this just, just doesn't make sense. Mm. And at the end of the thing, it's like, oh, well, Discovery's lost and now we're going to have a classify... We're going to classify the entire Discovery thing so we'll never speak about it again. So mm -hmm. all the discontinuity is now classified. It's like, oh, fuck off. Okay. Pardon my French, you'll bleep it out, I know. No, but... no, no, this is an R-rated film, you can swear if you want. Oh, but... oh fuck yeah. Yes! <laughs> we can jump Malka fuck, jump, jump Malka what? fuck. We can what jump Malka fuck? fuck in this bitch. I mean, he he was... What uh, the it, fuck is this? He really used the F-bombs really well. <laughs> he does. Um, he does. Yeah. And, and again, it's... But I, I think... It's the sort of ending that doesn't feel like a cop-out because it suits the film. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah film, they've done a really good job of establishing yeah. the... The, the the whole ridiculousness of kind of this this area of the CIA. Like I say, it's not what's what I think is really funny is they focused it on like the more office based part, mm. you know. Yeah. But they've got these these delusions of grandeur that they're they're the ones out in the field doing all the action stuff. It's yeah. like, well no, you're an analyst. You probably your life is sitting in an you're a pencil pusher yeah yeah it. yeah uh, and they've done Most a really CIA good job just office workers yeah yeah and they've done a really good job of setting this all up. And I think the other key is having J.K. Simmons, and I actually don't know the other actor's name, which is bad, but having those two guys play those, I, bit, that, I, those characters are really I, good. They've I can't remember those his name, scenes. but I know where I've seen him from. Yeah. He used to do a TV show in the late 80s called Sledgehammer, and he was the character of Sledgehammer. It was a parody of um, cop shows. Cool. That the guy, the guy, character's name is Sledgehammer. He has a big gun with a Sledgehammer handle. <laughs> Again, uh, David Rash is the actor's name. Rash. Yes. He's a brilliant, yeah. he's one of those great comedy actors who can do drama really yeah. well. But then again, hmm comedy and drama two sides of the same mask mm, that's why yeah. so many great dramatic people can do comedy and so many great comedians can do drama even though people go oh that's no it's so weird when a dra dramatic person does comedy it's like no, no it's the it's same not. skills yeah. just implied differently so uh, and but just just go back and that the reason that the, particularly those two scenes with jk simmons in it and mm -hmm. what the one last one being the last scene in the movie i think works so well is because they're well written they're well acted they're funny mm. they aren't just a cop-out like they've they've put work into the actual scenes themselves to make them entertaining, and I think that mm. was a real key. I think to make to really stick that land. That mid break, I think, also helped. Kind yeah, of yeah, like, exactly. Um, you kind of set it up, reset yeah. the audience to kind yeah. of it sets up the ending, mm. but it kind of resets the audience because I think at that point you're going, 
what the hell is happening yeah, in this movie? And then you yeah. get the CIA come back and it's just like, they're almost that thing of like, the story we so don't, far. Kind of we thing. don't know what's happening, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which kind of reassures the audience that it's okay to not know. Well, yeah. that's why I think that ending is so great is mm. because he's sitting there just throwing his hands up going, what the fuck just happened? And <laughs> that's kind of what we're feeling watching the film because it doesn't follow the traditional format. You know, normally it would be either like... Uh, Linda gets the the information and the Russians are interested mm. and there's a big chase or something like or that. Or we see Harry getting arrested at the airport trying yeah, to escape. Or, yeah. You know, there's there's like uh you know, there's like a showdown between Osborne and yeah. and Harry and all this kind of stuff. And like probably I don't know, Tilda Swinton's character wouldn't just disappear after all yeah. her relevant yeah. scenes. But the thing yeah. is is that's not the point of Burn After Reading. It's, it's very a, absurd in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, putting my you know drama theorist cap on for a second there, oh, there are may. elements yeah. of absurdism in, mm. in here not 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 purely absurdism but mm. in terms of these kind of cyclical plots and things that don't go anywhere and mm. characters that just disappear there's a lot of absurdist elements in it mm. which which i think which probably why people might some people might not like it i also think one you of know? the things this film does really well is it's really hard to tell apart what's a MacGuffin and what's chekhov's gun Yes. So, yeah. for example, the fact that um, Harry had never, he said, never fired my gun in 20 years, you're kind of like, well, he's going to fire he's it at some yeah. point. Yeah, that was a check off. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped it was a gun. But then the, the sex chair is, <laughs> is a complete MacGuffin. Yeah. It's just like, what's he doing? Why is he being spied on? What's he up to? It's... This seems weird. Oh, it's a chair with a, with a dildo that jumps out of it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like <laughs> this, this it, it's character building, it's world building, and it's funny. But it, in terms of the story of the film, you could have not had that at all. Yeah. And it, the story would not have suffered. And ultimately, yeah. who was that for? Because he seems to be hiding it from his wife. It's a surprise for his it's, wife. Yeah, yeah it's but a present for it her. It just her, seems yeah. to be the thing that even the wife was like, you know, it's like, does, it, does she really? Does that seem like the person that would need well, that? I think Although the, thing the surprise with, with the wife is really good as well. Yeah, I think the thing with Harry is that I've forgotten how much of a, I guess like a, sex pest isn't the right word, but how yeah, like sexually okay. driven he like is. Less, well, the whole movie is very sexually driven. Yeah. I mean, all of the characters engaging in affairs with each other. Mm. Um, it, it's actually, it's a huge motif throughout the film, mm. is, is, is sex. Yeah. It's like uh, the uh, the lawyer that he can. This or the guy that he's been staking him out is not an agent. He's from the divorce firm. Yeah, and he yeah, says, exactly. I was, I'll yeah. grow up. Everyone, everyone goes through it. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, as a fan of Lebowski, I'm there going, he's not CIA. That's definitely, that's got to be a dick. That's got to be a private eye. I just, yeah. a part of me was hoping that they hired the same actor from Lebowski. <laughs> I was like, please, 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 please. Mm. And then you see there's just this weirdly pasty kind of like non CIA kind of dude. And it's like, mm. oh, yeah, it's definitely got to be a dick. And it's like, lawyers, yeah, it's yeah. the wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, so yeah, good. It, yeah. And again, it's, it's a, it's a film of many misdirections that are tremendously good fun. Mm. Uh, Francis McDormand is in a Coen's brother film, which I know will surprise everyone. Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've not seen that before. No, 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 no I've never heard of that. But and also as surprising um, is that she's really good in it. It's like yeah. Francis McDormand's a good actress. Um, she she's great though. Like I think Linda yeah. is kind of the maybe the most compelling character in the uh, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I think so. I actually go far yeah. to say she's probably the protagonist. I think if there's probably going to be a protagonist. It's probably her because yeah. she does. She does drive a lot of the story forward. She does. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, she is taking the bull by the horns. And she, much like Chad, is severely underqualified to deal with anything. <laughs> yeah. that well, doing. her whole motivation is cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Which is great and there's the one person she's like in the room who's like you don't need it and she does not listen to him yeah. that's it yeah she doesn't need it but she's willing to engage in international espionage <laughs> yeah. to, to, to get a boob job mm. like it's was, again it goes back to that absurd stuff it, it's so absurd it, 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 it's, it's almost nihilistic in a mm. way 
Mm. Which again, I, I get that's probably why people don't like it. I love it. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's hilarious. There's no like, there's no points, you know, straightforward point from A to B to C with this movie. It goes, it like takes off all the side roads and meanders. And that's one thing I love about Cohen. You know, it's always those things of, it's not a straightforward plot. No. And because life isn't like that, you've got the twists and turns and that, that gives it so much character and I love it. Linda as a, um, as, I guess as a protagonist does kind of work, um, particularly because she, she's very honest and upfront about everything that she does, whereas mm. everyone else is yeah, hiding yeah. things. Um, you know, she is going on these dating websites and, you know, she's sharing all that information with Chad and Ted and everyone else in the gym mm. and, you know, she's going on these dates and she's very upfront about the fact that she needs the surgeries because she's working in a job which is very um, looks-based. About, about looks, yeah. yeah, that kind of that, thing. That visual cut where she's talking to this plastic surgeon, you actually don't see her face for like the first, what, five minutes when she's talking to a plastic surgeon. Mm, it feels like that, yeah. And it's like this long, drawn-out bit and you gain to see that personality and she's like, you know, I haven't won all this surgery and then you don't know what it is and then there's just hard cut to hard bodies. Mm. And uh, I think that was the moment where I'm like going, I'm going to have a laugh at this film. It feels safe enough to laugh because that yeah. is such a great visual visual gag. Yeah, and it was um, obviously, you know, you look at it, and for me, I, I felt obviously quite quite sorry for Linda that she mm. feels yeah. that she has to yeah. do this. And I think it's one of the things that the Coen brothers have done really excellently in this film is anyone that seems remotely like in an expert or position of power is encouraging the protagonist to sort of give in to their their vices and their insecurities you have the divorce lawyer talking with um uh, katie cox uh tilda swinton's character and basically mm. saying look he might change but very much implying that no you're, you're going to go through with this divorce and that's yeah. totally fine um same with the with the with the surgeon you know the surgeon is saying you know we talk about the vaccine marks and he's you know look some women are fine with it um but at the in the very same breath, he's talking about like you really want to wear that strapless dress, yeah, maybe. like and changing the size of her boobs or a bum or all this kind of thing, and it's kind of like oh, but vaccine marks are fine. Like it's it's this weird sort of I guess dichotomy that that is present in I guess kind of just people screwing over other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it really frames the film quite nicely because you have our protagonists all interacting in weird ways and ultimately not being able to trust one another. But then you got the irony in the fact of the character lands George Clooney. Like, mm. let's, let's not beat around the bush. A very handsome man. Certainly a more handsome man and, than she's been uh, interacting with based on, like, Alan, who was uh, yeah. earlier yeah. in the film. And there's no sense between that... Rela- That's one thing I do like. There's no sense between the relationship between Harry and Linda that he's using her. I mean, apart from just getting his rocks off, because that's a given well, with that's, the character. That's also what he But does. he still has a very good relationship with her you know he laughs you know they don't he's not laughing at her jokes they're just having a good conversation yeah they they, they they seem to have a they seem to be getting along yeah and you know harry we, we see um is not adverse to you know hiring a prostitute um no. or to just randomly hook trolling up. the internet yeah yeah hookups, like yeah. that's that's fine he's clearly got some sort of um sex-based obsession yeah um but there does seem to be more of a connection between those two than between any of the other women he interacts with in this film, yeah. even his wife, um, even... Uh, Ke- yeah. character, looks he's having an affair with her as well. So. Yeah, it's kind of like, that's the only relationship where you go, oh, that, that actually feels like it might actually be a healthy relationship or going towards being a healthy relationship, even though they're both clearly not um, 
mentally healthy people in the sense <laughs> yeah. that they are very, very, they've got a lot of issues. Um, I really also have to say um, that I thought that Tilda Swinton's character um, is kind of kind of just like a wonderful almost um force in the film in that she almost always acts kind of like the way that like bad weather happens in a film where mm. it's, it's more like she's an event than a character she's yeah. she's unmoving and unchanging and she's like well this is how i feel well you're being ridiculous well how about this like that well, kind of thing it's funny the last scene you see her in is she's dealing with a petulant child who refused to open his mouth yeah it's, i'm not I'm now just thinking about it, it's like that is kind of that thing like you know She's stubborn, and mm. she's kind of having to deal with all these stubborn people as well. She's yeah. also the only character that I don't feel experiences any any she significant have a change in terms well, of like impersonal change. No, she's no. yeah, she stays pretty constant. Yeah, whereas yeah. Harry goes completely off the deep end and yeah. tries to run away to Venezuela. <laughs> um, Linda, Linda doesn't change in some respects. Um, in terms of like in a normal film, she'd fall in love with Ted and they'd run off and he'd be like, no, I can accept who I am. She doesn't have that. No, she doesn't have a moment of revelation. But I think that her change is maybe that she becomes a bit, she becomes more assertive as the film goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And she's more willing to like take thing, take action and control. Um, But ironically, she gets what she wants. Her goal is accomplished in the movie. The the end text, they do imply that they're going to pay for her surgeries. Yeah, the CIA pays for the surgeries. (laughs) And there's uh, there's nobody running hard bodies now. Yeah. yeah. She probably would take over as the manager, you'd assume. So she's come out of this... Pretty, pretty good. Um, the the Vale Chad. Yeah, the murder of Chad. We do oh. have to touch on that. Oh. Because it is an exclamation point in the middle of this <laughs> it's, film. It's so well done. I, mm. I, I didn't expect to laugh so loud. I mm. felt embarrassed because I was like, oh my God. did that? Was I laughing that loud? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, this was your first time watching it, it Simon. Um, were you expecting his character to get killed? No. Mm. I mean, in hindsight, I probably would have... It's one of those things of... One thing I love about Cohen Brothers as a filmmaker, they're never afraid to draw out a scene. Mm. And that scene in the thing, because you see how the camera's panning. Like you you inside um, Chad's mind of like, how am I going to escape? Mm. Window, door, window. Oh, he's coming out. Wow, that was a short shower. Window, door. Mm. And then he just kind of slinks back in. And then you see the gun. And it's like, oh no. Oh no, this can't, this can't. Then like Clooney opens the door and it's just like, Three seconds, bang, bang. Not, not bang, not bang. with the gun. Like, yeah. cut, cut, bang. What the? And then you see that big smile of Brad Pitt's face as the bullet just explodes mm. through his skull. You're like, going, what the shit? Yeah, the gun bit's interesting because again, it's that, again you talk about misdirection, Steve. It's that, but you think it's gonna be Brad Pitt's gonna take the gun and try and play this, the hard spy thing that he's been trying to do the whole yeah. mm. whole movie. You know, at least that, that was the impression yeah. I got. It's like, he's going to be like, you know, oh. He's, he's almost the inverse of I've like. i your shit now. Yeah, he's know? like the inverse of like the smart people being stupid. He's like the stupid person trying to act smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, like, um, I've never been a huge fan of Brad Pitt's movies, mm. but I love when I see Bad Brad Pitt as a support character mm. in, in a movie. That's I, always been the thing with Brad Pitt. He's, yeah. he's a brilliant actor. He but is. Because he is. And I mean, still is, but was such a poster boy, mm, like mm. such a such a sex icon. Yeah, he was put in all these kind of shitty movies. He's a brilliant he's character actor. But he's yeah. yeah, he is. He is. He's an incredible. He should character be a character actor. actor. The problem is, is that he is 
devastatingly handsome. Yeah. That's, and, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that, that it, there's a little bit in the trivia which, like, his, his good lookingness actually affected a lot of stuff with costumes in this mm. film um, for the look that we're trying to achieve, which we will get to in a little bit. I bet it was incredibly difficult trying to find a suit that would make him look kind of dump, as weird and dumpy Dorky. as he was. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. And, you know, I, I do think this is a really great role for, for, for him. Um, mm. And he's just... He's all in and he's absolutely wonderful. And um, I mean, the support characters in Coen Brother films are usually very important. Mm. Um, the guy who played Alan uh, on the day, um, <laughs> just 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 dead behind the eyes oh. and in front of them, like just yeah. just this sort of like almost lifeless person who's just existing instead of living. Yeah. And it was such a wonderful reflection of the various disappointing men that Linda has probably been dating on these these websites. Um, he he was wonderful. Yeah. Um, were there any other sort of, I guess, scenes or characters or moments from this film that stand out for either of you? That scene in the car with Oz and Jack. Yeah, where he punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah, so, so good. It is. It on. I, I'd forgotten about that scene, <laughs> and just just the whack straight in the nose, and yeah, how offended yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Chad gets. Like, yeah. fuck hit me. <laughs> Because, yeah, if it was any other movie, it would be this dark, tense thing, this negotiation. But you already know that Chad's a moron yeah. and Oz is a little bit unhinged. Well, and also that Oz thinks it's his memoirs. Yeah, so, like... so the miscommunication is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I love exactly. that. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's it, absolutely nothing of value on the disc that they find. Mm. Yeah, but it's everything um, to one person. Yeah. I also really like, uh, just another scene that jumped to mind, is we actually see... Harry's wife on her book tour, mm. yes. and we see that she, we establish that she's having an affair with someone else as well. But that feels like something that maybe wouldn't have made it into another film because oh. she did feel quite ancillary for a lot of the yeah. film. Yeah. But I really like the fact that they spent that time to focus on her and her point of order book. Uh, <laughs> and she's book. throwing shade at her husband as yeah. well. Uh, it's kind of like. Um, in a very subtle way. That was it, brilliant. Yeah, it was. I, I really just liked that detail, and it was a scene which I had completely forgotten. And it so kind of I, yeah. yeah, it stood out for me this time as being like, this feels unnecessary but good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was just a really, really lovely way that they did it. But it yeah. really also ties together that plot line with the divorce and his wife and mm. uh, with Harry and stuff like that. So it's just that thing of like, I think it's that. Yeah, it kind of feels pointless, but it, I think it helps tie. Wrap up at least one loose end of that story. Yeah. What happened to X character and regards to why is all of a sudden she getting a divorce? And then you kind of find out, well, oh, maybe he found out, she found out about the extramarital affairs. No, she's having her own. Yeah. Yeah. And it ties into that film where basically everyone is screwing each other over, yeah. literally. Or but you also, you, it also needed to be there from a you know structural point of view in that you needed to keep... They, keep, they, they had to keep upping Harry's paranoia. So you yeah. needed to have him being followed by someone. Yeah, and that's. But you obviously where... couldn't have him being followed by the actual CIA or anything. Yeah, so, no. you know, again, so from a, it's very clever from a from a writing point of view. Is like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to, we need something from a, we need a device mm-hmm. that will keep Harry paranoid. Okay, he needs to be followed. How can he be followed? Well, his wife is uh, oh. getting a, wants to divorce him, and but mm-hmm. because she's having, it's very, it's very clever. Yeah. Going back to that cinematography aspect, like the whole shaky camera on the, the wide shots, yeah, the uh, yeah. far shots, seeing Harry, and you're going, okay, how much of that is diegetic, you know, and how much of it isn't, because mm-hmm. well, it's probably not that, but we're getting a peek kind of inside of his mind. Yeah. He's getting spooked, yeah. and you know that's the thing; they're all spooks, or they're attached to government departments in yeah. some age. When. <laughs> when they go to the Russian embassy and they go, finally goes, 
they do realize that could be treason. <laughs> well, I mean, in the opposite, when this film was made, certainly nowadays. Nowadays, mm. nowadays yeah, well, they'd be on the Trump campaign. <laughs> Just doing deals. Yeah. Oh, God. You laughed quite a lot at the picture of Vladimir Putin on the wall. <laughs> yes. um, which I thought was quite funny because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's still, 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 hang- relevant. still hanging on in there, Vlad. Look, you've got, you've got to admire his tenacity. Yeah. Um, a really, a really fun film, though. I think. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We're all sitting here going, "This is, this is good fun." Yeah, it's not probably a movie I'd watch again in a hurry. Mm. It's not one of those comedies you could just binge watch over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah. I, w- I would mind revisiting it though. Yeah. I think it's, I really it, it's, it's in, being having been oh, eleven years mm. since mm. I've seen it last. It, yeah, it's definitely not one. I have watched. I have watched. I have met people who said, "No, it's a toilet burn after reading," and it's like, "Oh yeah, I was crap." So I'm like, "I'm glad I just really put that out of my head." Mm. Yeah. But again, I can see why people didn't like this. I, I agree. I, I can see why people like it, but I also think that there's they're missing maybe out. a snobbiness there, you yeah, know, or, or, or a purism to, yeah. that you know, well, movies should be a certain way. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and I think that's the thing. I think if you accept this movie for what it is, you get a lot out of it. It's mm. not at all bad. It's not badly written or no. acted or, or, or put together mm. or structured. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. And I it, think that's probably what turns off a lot of people. It's funny that, because like um, Tarantino, he talks about it sometimes in his movies, he says how he, he writes for comedy and people don't think of his movies as comedies, but he thinks... Is mm. are you know mm. there, there's some great comedic elements in a lot of his films, but you wouldn't necessarily mm. call him a comedy filmmaker. No, but but you're right. There are elements of Tarantino films which I've watched and found hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah even though you know that the the hilarity within them is tied up in high tension and violence. Mm. Um, the 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 scene in Pulp Fiction um, with um, Jules uh, confronting the guys, yeah, with the big Kahuna burger. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the way he says things, like "That's a tasty burger," yeah. is both hilarious and terrifying. Mm. And so it's, um, yeah, I, I think this film has a has a kind of similar thing, where there is this, particularly after the murder of Chad, there is this undercurrent of malice within mm. the film, yeah, where yeah. you're like, this could turn at any point, and you never quite know where it's going to happen yeah. but then it's fast where like francis mcdormand's character is surrounded by the cia guys and then there's one in the helicopter <laughs> the above her yeah it's it's so silly it's yeah. great what, what i what i also really like about uh, this movie is going back to chad's death like i say there's really only two moments of of violence mm. of, of characters being killed and it's chad and, and ted right at the end you go you okay well, what's gonna happen now is this gonna be a real change i remember sitting in the cinema when that happened again not at all expecting that mm. and not not expecting it the bluntness and the violence of it to be, you know, to be like a sledgehammer hitting mm. you in the face. I, I, think I'd be I thought it was going to be more drawn out. <laughs> you know, you, I, I was expecting, a, I think, I'm casting my memory back, you know, you're expecting a scene where they confront each other, maybe something happens, mm. and there's more silly dialogue, mm. and instead it's a blam, bullet to the face, a lot of blood. And then you look at the aftermath is like um, Harry, like freaking out, running down the bottom of the stairs, yeah. grabbing a kitchen knife, and then kind of like, Almost Ace Ventura sneaking back up the stairs yeah, with yeah. the knife, Does the combat like, roll to get the gun. Yeah. Yes, and then and it's like all the time you're there going, we as the audience, if you know, if we've been paying attention, we know that guy's dead because yeah. the we've gunshot room and everything, bullet to the forehead. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the tension is still there, and also at the same point is the com- comedy release of that tension when you know, thank God, Clooney is a great actor. Yeah, again, great comedic actor, and just that physicality in that comedy where he's yeah. you know and then yeah does the role to pick up the gun and it's just like oh my 
God, this is yeah. so funny. Yeah. But and then he's checking the body out as well and yeah. takes time. Yeah. And we never see what happens. And then we cut to the CIA. And we, like, we don't we have hear, to yeah. deal with yeah. that. And again, that's good to have that scene there because like you said, Simon, that's a good reset point to go, okay, mm. this is where we're at now. Mm. Um, what I was saying is that after Chad gets shot, and it is, it's a tone shift, mm. but they they do it so well in that they don't indulge, they don't indulge until yes. the very end. Yes. You know, it's like, what's going to... Okay, now, now maybe who's everyone's going to start who's dying. Who's going to die but, next? But no, no, they don't do that at all. Ah. It's, it's really clever. Even even the gunshot with um, oh, what's the manager's name again? Uh, Ted. Ted. Even that gunshot with Ted. Part of me was there going, are they gonna are they gonna kill Ted outright, or mm. is the gun gonna miss? Yeah. And then the it's a shoulder. I'm going, okay, it's a shoulder wound. He's gonna survive. That's that's a non-lethal. Yeah. Oh, well, I forgot about the hatchet. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was another of the Chekhov's guns. It was yeah. getting used. Yeah. Um, so, oh, no, sorry, it was a new key. It, yeah, the new key. Yeah, yeah that's right. I've got, I've got new keys. <laughs> yeah. And again, new just key is it an axe. John Malkovich <laughs> in his pyjamas, just like drunkenly robbing a house. His own house. Yeah. I was actually half expecting to burn down the house as a kind of like a nod to the mm. burn after reading, yeah, but I'm yeah, kind yeah. of glad that they didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. That he, ending was... Had, had he better. not been interrupted, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but then that would have been burning alcohol and he has a drinking problem. Yeah, he has a drinking problem. <laughs> fucking saying I have yeah. a drinking problem? <laughs> You're a Mormon. That was a great life. Everyone has a drinking drinking problem. problem. (laughs) Um, So, in terms of other Coen Brothers films, though, because uh, as we established before, we've seen different amounts. Uh, The the one that I neglected to mention, actually two I neglected to mention for me, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? uh, And The Lady Killers. I haven't Uh, seen Lady Killers. They're they're the other ones I've seen. But in terms of your own personal Coen Brothers Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I haven't seen. Yeah, but in terms of the ones you have seen, where where, where would Burn After Reading sit? Oh, pretty close to the top, Mm. I think. Oh, actually, but then I don't know, because the ones I have seen are the big ones, like Oh Brother Art Thou, Big Lebowski and Fargo, Mm. and No Country for Old Men, which is also very good. Mm. Like, those those four movies are, I guess, arguably four of their more well-known ones. Mm. Probably, yeah. yeah. And I do think I like all four of those movies better than Burn After Reading. Right, but it's not that Burn After Reading is a bad film. No, not at all. It's just that yeah. those four movies are fantastic movies. Yeah. So I think it is a hard thing with the Coen Brothers. Yeah. I mean, in your own ranking, Simon, you were saying before that you really I've, enjoyed The Big Lebowski. I've only really... I think I've seen one or two of the other ones. I just can't recall. Mm. Uh, but I think Lebowski sits above this, probably because that's just an endearance thing. You know, I, yeah. I, I yeah. saw Lebowski... God, was it? It's such a cultural touchstone as well to sound mm. wanky. Yeah, for a but it was like, like it's so it's such an important piece of pop mm. culture. Yeah, but Lebowski came out what twenty years ago now, almost yeah, twenty in the late twenty or twenty one years ago, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, it came out. So I think it's one of the things I saw that where it was on overnight loan for God that just ages me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I was like, remember. I was like, yeah, so like nineteen twenty. So like I think that's just that that formative like mm. cinem- cinematic formative years. Yeah. Where like you know you you try you you're not watching you know shit that your parents like finding you yeah, you're finding your own thing. And I think Lebowski is one of those movies that's that was that mm. thing of like this is unlike anything I've ever seen, which made it unique mm. and interesting. And you either again love it or hate mm. it, and I loved it. And for me, this was I was I was it was my nineteenth birthday when we went and seen this. So this mm. was again that time period where I was doing that. Um, and yeah. I, <clears throat> in terms of going out and finding films myself and watching them, have been doing that. <laughs> basically since I was about 14, 15 you know, I when I first th- got into the film studies. I was and thinking about the other day back when you used to be able to go to a VO shop and get like 10 weeklies for $10. Yeah. And yeah. I used to yeah. get a whole lot of shite. Mm. 
you know, nothing yeah. you'd pay six bucks for, but like a dollar thing, and just crappy horror films, crappy you know, B grade horror stuff, or you know, the uh, teen sex. You just grab anything you want. You yeah, should just yeah. devour there's it. There's no, there's no stakes. It's like, so, well, if it's no good, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just spent, I wasted a, dollar, a buck, but some of these movies, you're like, yeah, this was terrible. I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you do find that. Um, and I think it was, <clears throat> I think for me though, just looking at Burn After Reading, it's really hard. I suppose ranking films in general and ranking mm, films yeah. within a, a certain a creator or a pair of creators in this case own work, um, I think is maybe a slightly fairer task because we're seeing where they're at, but they're also at different stages in their development. I guess mm. um, I, I would probably place this above the Big Lebowski, but I mm. don't also have that attachment to Lebowski. Yeah. I recognise it's a really good film, mm. um, and. I certainly enjoyed it when we looked at it on the podcast last mm. year. Um, but it's it's also, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. I think for me, it's really hard to top Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, though. I, that, have, that's the I have yet to uh, see yeah, that. I mean, yeah. That's been on the wish list for a while. It's great. I mean, I think, see, I think Big Lebowski and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou are probably my two favourite mm. Coen Brothers But movies? I've also not seen No Country. That's that's the big one for me. Well, um, yeah, No Country for All Men. But again, it's it, it's... <clears throat> quite different from all those other ones as mm. well it's very serious and the other one just looking at this yeah. list um inside llewellyn davis which was i missed that one as well. so that one did very well um in award seasons it received mm. a lot of nominations when it came out about um six years ago so it's gonna be I, I suppose it's it's tricky particularly when you've got a pair of filmmakers like this who who just play with so many different aspects and like yeah. burn after I reading and big lebowski have similarities but they're massively different films in you terms. Can see, yeah. Oh, gotcha. You mm. can see the, like, I hate, I hate all tier theory, but you can see, like, the fingerprints of the filmmakers, yeah. Mm. Yeah. but they're not the same film. And I, I love that about mm. filmmakers where they can just go, I'm going to just play with genre. They're not, exactly, yeah. they're not even really the same style. Yeah. Just like, as I said, like, you know, the cinematography things, mm. uh, like, the pacing issue, you know, pacing, Cohen has that pacing stuff. Like, you mm. know, they do mm. draw things out. I love it. Yeah. There's always about it. bits that they borrow, like you know, the, mm. the violence is reminiscent of the violence in Fargo. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's very sudden and brutal. Um, yeah. And again, some of the the dialogue, the dialogue, which is always generally very good, but mm. is re- reminiscent of things like the Big Lebowski, particularly as you said, yeah. the Private Investigator. And I, 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 again, there were elements well, um, of this which made me think of Hail Caesar, which I quite enjoyed. Mm. But I would maybe say that Burn After Reading is slightly better than I it. think so too. Yeah. yeah. Thing they die like uh, the scene in Hard Bodies when they find the data, and just Brad Pitt's like the shit, <laughs> the, yeah. data, the dates and numbers and shit. shit. <laughs> it's the shit. I, was, I, I love that he. It's so he funny. He, he knows he what he wants to say. He doesn't exactly. He doesn't know what it is, so yeah. he just calls it the shit. Yeah, and even when he calls up Osborne, he's like, that, "We've got you shit." That, <laughs> that reminded me. That shit. does remind me a bit of like the um. The scenes in the bowling alley with the dude and his yeah, friends, just kind of nice, does have very nice dialogue. Mm. These these men who who think they know what they're talking about, but they <laughs> yeah. just they've got no idea. Like yeah. you know, again, it's 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 actually it is a bit like um a bit like a, a, a Walter mm. in Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's, you know, he he's got this confidence Shut the fuck about up, him. Donnie. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he knows what he's talking about. He thinks he's all over it, and he's got no clue. <sighs> and and. Brad they're Pitt very and Francis human. McDormand have a bit of that. In they're this movie. very human. They are. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think that is part of it. There are aspects of them which you can see and go, "Oh, I 
totally identify with with other people I've met like that or things yeah, within yeah. myself that mm. I've seen. I think um, given that these are characters who are po- largely portrayed as being a bit negative, it's usually other people. You don't sit there and going, oh, yeah, I'm like Chad. I just <laughs> constantly like drinking at the side of my mouth and all this yeah, kind of yeah. weird stuff. Never, never not with my earphones. In, yeah, like. well, well that, that one I did identify Actually, yeah, with. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's fair and, enough. And they're jutting like down the street. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> Physically. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about Ben? Yes, Stewart? definitely. Okay, uh, the trivia is sourced from IMDb and has been declassified, so here we go. <laughs> the one that we mentioned before, according to the costume designer Mary Zofras, even cheap suits look good on Brad Pitt. Yeah. So for the scene where he had to wear a cheap suit, they tailored a suit to purposefully fit him badly and <laughs> gave him a horrid-looking wool tie. But they had to they had to specifically design it to look terrible. Yeah. But what's funny is I didn't I didn't notice. I, I, I did, like, but that's also because I am a costumer. And they're, right, they're going, I'm right, looking at yeah. that going, that is one of the worst suits ever. Mm. This is Brad Pitt. I yeah. only noticed it this time around because of reading the trivia beforehand. Yeah. So like when it's he thing, goes to oh. climb the wall, his, yes! his, the pants on his leg <laughs> just don't suit. It is, yeah, an, right. it is an ill-fitting suit, but it's almost cartoonishly ill-fitting yeah. from, from a costumer's perspective. And it's right, Brad Pitt basically looks good in, in everything else he wears in this film they had to because because he's brad yeah. pitt he's good looking yeah. it's not the clothes it's the guy yeah. well, um, you look at the hard body shirts like on brad pitt he looks like he looks toned and buff and on ted he's just like the the big fat dumpy dude so it's like you're wearing something that a big fat you know makes people look like big fat dumpy dudes and mm. you're killing it yeah. yeah um but yeah so they had to specifically do that which i thought was quite good fun uh, the coen brothers said that they wrote the screenplay for this film whilst also writing the screenplay for no country for old men yeah. they would alternate each day on what script they were doing so it was oh. like all right monday wednesday friday is uh, no country tuesday thursday saturday we're doing uh, burn after reading yeah, yeah. that's interesting well it, it reminds me um of what happened with spielberg where he was filming schindler's list at the same time as editing jurassic park yeah and they are two very different films mm. and no country and uh, burn after reading are two very different films one's dark and gritty and one's a comedy mm. and i think maybe that helps in that process where if you've got um, one project working kind of separate from another, but there are connections and, and having that difference between them, I think that makes you focus on what those differences need to be. Especially if you like dealing with something like as heavy as like say Schindler's List. Yeah. Maybe after a couple of days, you're just there going, I don't, I just want a break from the, from you know yeah. the holocaust yeah. and, and the terribleness. And that's what I'm going to go saying. work on my dinosaur movie where everyone's happy. Not really, but yeah, you know. but yeah. But but also, it was like they are such different projects that mm. you sort of it was beneficial for for yeah. Spielberg and for these guys. Oh, I, I totally get that. It must have been massively beneficial as well. And I think um, certainly, Burn After Reading is is a great script. Mm. And so I I certainly hope that um, when we get round to No Country for Old Men, I, I want to see the pinboard of the plots they were trying to figure out, and you're like, so mm. it, it'd be just a massive wire and all tangled together. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the building that was turned into the Hard Bodies gym uh, in the film was uh, located in uh, Paramus, New Jersey. So a lot of this was filmed around New York, despite the fact the setting is Washington, D.C. Mm. Um, the crew did such a good job with it that locals would come in and inquire about memberships. <laughs> so, yeah, just, just that's when you know your set design's working. Um, when Linda and Harry go to the theatre to watch Coming Up Daisy... <laughs> Um, the terrible fake oh, film, God. which was just oh. lovely. Um, 
the, Even the poster was yeah, bad. Yeah. Very good. Oh, so brilliant. The board uh, displayed show times uh, for other films, including Hail Caesar. Oh. Uh, Hail Caesar obviously wouldn't come out for another eight years, no. but obviously it was something that... I mean, they've had in mind. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I remember hearing something about that. Yeah, mm. that it's like one of those things that they've teased in um, previous films or like, you know, that's that thing that they've Easter egged it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so there you are. Uh, this is, or was Francis McDormand's seventh film under the direction of the Coen brothers, following Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Fargo, and I The Man Who Wasn't Arizona. There. Mm. I have seen that, but years ago. I enjoyed mm. that. Um, McDormand, we should also point out, is married to Joel Coen. Yeah, oh, there you go. Which is kind of, yeah, maybe why partly they like working with her. Because I think very, she's. Very it, I think it's because she's a very good actress, and there's no nepotism here whatsoever. Well, no, the, 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 I mean there clearly is nepotism, but in the case of these, they that it works. Frances McDormand yeah. is a great actress. She's an amazing actor, and yeah. she always does incredible work with the coach. Yeah. Again, it's that thing. It's like yes, maybe, but when you get your team again, yes. the, the Coen brothers are known for having recurring actors. Oh, yeah. yeah, like Malkovich, yeah. Clooney. Yeah. Like these are all people that they've worked with. Yeah, when you when you get your company, to, to, so to speak, you mm. know, then then yeah, work with the people that work with you best. They, yeah. they well, probably wrote, wrote a lot of these mm. um, roles for these people. Oh, gotcha. Most so. most of the characters that they cast were written for the actors yeah. in mind. Certainly, I know John Malkovich was, um, and it's kind of hard to imagine anyone else playing that character oh, with that kind of right. on the edge could. fury. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the Nick Cage. Other... That's the only person I could see. Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going for the joke, but you just thought about it. And went that might work. <sighs> be... What? What the fuck? <laughs> You're a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I broke the podcast. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Nick Cage does that whenever he comes up. Um, the final bit of trivia is uh, on the Blu-ray for Blood Simple. Uh, in the shooting Blood Simple featurette with Barry Sonfeld, Joel, and Ethan Cohen, they reveal that the joke involving the sex chair built by Harry was taken directly from Key Grip Tom Prophet Jr., who built a very similar device in real life and cited the exact same reasons, reasons. as Harry. <laughs> so that is something that actually happened um, to, with someone they knew. Because I love that build of that because he's like bringing all these pipes and like he's mm. doing all these. Yeah. I'm like, is he building like a waterboard device or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, I, very nefarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of is in a way. Yes. I, I just love the fact he's looked at it and gone, it, it cost $1,200. I could build that. That yeah. seems like a very appropriate trope for him. And he's like, $100, not including the dildo, of course. Those yeah. things are expensive. So. <laughs> and I can't cast hard rubber. <laughs> uh, so with that being said, we have to score the film. And Simon, you're up first because oh, it was your first time watching. Uh, what would you this. give Burn After Reading out I of 10? I don't want to be the guy to be like, oh, everything's a 10. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give this nine American flags on the bed pillows. So yeah. there's a lot of detail on there going, I that was American. What? Well, you know, you know, it's... Uh, I don't, want to give it a, I don't want to be the guy three times in a row to give it a ten. He, he, I give a lot of tens on the podcast. So yeah, yeah, I know. I don't think I don't think it's a ten movie, honestly. Mm, but it's quite. really close. Yeah, so nine, nine, for you. nine, definitely nine. Excellent. What about yourself, Matt? I think I'm going to give it. I'm going to be more generous than I probably would be. I'm going to give it eight dildo chairs <laughs> uh, out of ten. Mm. Well, um, that's eight hundred bucks if you build them yourself. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> That's I still think maybe cheaper. like a seven and a half, but no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll go with the full eight. I mm. think it's really, really good. Again, if we, the reason I've knocked it down a couple of notches is because if we were to compare it to 
other standouts in yeah. the mm. Cohen oeuvre. Um, yeah, it's not quite as good, mm. but for what it is, it's it's great. I was it, expecting a completely different film. Yeah, it's yeah. very, like I said, it's I very funny. I was expecting funny. to laugh that much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think it is difficult for a film to subvert your expectations and for you to enjoy it more. Um, beyond mm. the, yeah. oh, this film looked like it was going to be terrible and it was okay. You know, mm. um, I, the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing. Where I, people I kind of had that thing with the merger where I was just like, I'm not a sports guy. This is a sports movie. I'm, I'm going to hate uh, this. And I'm not an Australian. And I gave it a 10 because it was genuinely that good. Yeah. Um, and I very, think... That is a very good movie, yeah. I think Burn After Reading does a really good job once you... Again, once you, as you say, once you tune into what it is... Mm. Um, it's it's really fun. Um, it was really lovely revisiting it. Like Patrick, I hadn't watched it since it was out in the cinema, um, and it still stands up. Um, it's it's almost I would say timeless. Beyond obviously the technology, very much places it where it is. So the flip phone that Clooney yeah. has, yeah, and the the computers and the fact that the information's on CDs and I, stuff. It I feels. I was going to say it felt a little bit anachronistic in that sense. Yeah, it's, it looks um, like they went a little bit older. I, it does feel a little bit like that. It does feel maybe more like two thousand eight. I mean, it was only iPhones were out. It was only phones. just coming yeah. out. Yeah, though, so. it was all brand new, and they would have been yeah. making this. I definitely shooting. Did. I definitely still have a flip phone in two thousand eight. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, all the way to two thousand nine, baby. No, that I had me. I had smartphones by then. Right. Yeah. Well, Ooh. and, and I was a, and I was a student. A rich guy over here. Well, well. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, it's called. Payment you think plans. you're better than George Clooney, are you? Hey. Hey, I had a better phone than George Clooney. If that's the one, if that's the one thing I've got up on George. Clooney, I'm going to take it. You know, that's because he's got the money, he's got the looks, he's got the Nespresso machines. Exactly. So you know, yeah, he's he's set. Um, I I, I would give this film though uh, eight uh, Sultans of Salad out of ten. <laughs> um, I love the Sultan of Salad. I loved just lots of really great, wonderful performances. Mm. It really blends together wonderfully well. Um, it's funny and it's just a really good subversion of the genre and um, yeah just just a really fun film Absolutely. Uh, so I, I can see now why so many people want to like as an actor's film mm-hmm. like people want to study this for the acting like Clooney's like mm. jitteriness you know at those early scenes and then like he's always all you know it's not all over the place but like he's when he's in a scene he commands it and mm. you can see all of that. And yeah, same with Malkovich and all that. And yeah, Brad Pitt, the Hollywood pretty boy playing this kind of really dopey character. You just kind of, you just kind of enjoy. Mm. And uh, yeah, everyone does a fantastic performance. Yeah, um, Frances McDormand, geez, she really ties this movie. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful film. And um, Simon and Patrick, thank you very much for joining me watching it. Thank you, Steve. For those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. Hey, we're on Facebook. You know, that old thing. That was pretty popular in 2008 as well. Um, You can find us on there. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Leaves likes, comments, whatever you want. Um, Let us know what's your favourite film with um, Brad Pitt called Mr. Black. You know, is it this or is it Meet Joe Black? Let us know. (laughs) Uh, You can also subscribe to us. We're on uh, Spotify. That's a relatively new one we're on. You can get us on there. We're also on SoundCloud and iTunes and lots of other services like that. Uh, And of course, we have our Patreon with uh, some exclusive content occasionally here and there. If you want to join in, uh, just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. What the fuck?
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.